Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. Well, today's a first for me on this takeaway. I have never interviewed somebody before who's been electrocuted. Wow, you've got to listen to today's episode with Tara Lee Cobble. She was such a delight and she was just so transparent. I loved our conversation. We talked a lot about how to be with people when they are going through something hard. The last thing somebody wants to hear is, oh, hey, God works everything out for good. Well, yes, that might be true, but right now I am hurting and I am crying. So Tara Lee had some great advice about how to just sit with people in their pain. And she also had some amazing stories about being electrocuted. So I'm going to be honest with you. Today's episode is a little bit longer than it normally is. But I got to tell you, I really encourage you to listen to the whole thing. Tara Lee Cobble is such a delight. We talked about everything from what the Bible says about suffering to jogging to weight loss to how physical health can increase your spiritual health. So give today's episode a listen. I know you're going to love it. Well, welcome to the podcast, Tara Lee Cobble. Oh my gosh, I feel like we're friends. Great. I'm excited <laughs> I know. To, is... <laughs> to engage in that conversation with you. Good. Mildly nervous because I also listen to you every morning. I found you actually when I was on my version app, for people who don't know, it's a daily Bible um, way to read your Bible, get a scripture, and then they'll have a video of somebody just because sometimes the Bible's hard to understand. Somebody explaining it, mm-hmm. super simple terms. And you were there and I thought, oh my gosh, I like I like her. I like her explanation. And so that's when my stalking started. <laughs> started with the Bible, ended with stalking. I love that's it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just, you know, hey, just don't know where we go from here. But Lots to talk about. And so Tara Lee is making the Bible really easy for me this year. So I'm doing the Bible in a year, which I've never done. And it's just been fun. And I was telling one of our kids the other day, I said, I actually laugh sometimes when I'm reading the Bible because of you. And I, that's never happened before. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's just, it's a great way to to keep that information in your brain. And so welcome to the podcast. And I'm so happy to be here, Deborah. It's just fun to chat with you. It is fun. And the name of my podcast is Why Did I Get Cancer? And so I have so many mm-hmm. questions for you. I think what I'll start with is at the end of every podcast, you say, He's where the joy is. And I love that, but maybe I didn't love it two years ago when I was in the middle of cancer. So how do you find the joy in him when you're walking through some really icky stuff, medical or relationship or whatever it is? Right. Yeah. You know, that phrase, he's where the joy is, I had written that in my Bible over a decade ago. And I wrote it by, in the margin, by Psalm 1611, where David says, 
in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And this is David who has been through a lot in his life. I mean, he has lived in caves when his life has been sought. His son mounted a rebellion against him. Um, just he's, he lost a child. He lost multiple children. The man went through a lot, but he knew that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And so that phrase just kind of kept coming back to me about like, he's where the joy is. He's where the joy is. No matter what circumstances I find myself in, whether it is a physical challenge, whether it is an emotional challenge, whether it is a financial challenge, whatever those relational, whatever those things are, I'm in the presence of God still because the presence of God is in me. The spirit of God dwells in me. And so it is in as much as it is a truth, it's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to remind myself of the truth. So I can, I can speak that truth to myself. Like he's where the joy is and he is with me and I am with him. I am, I am in the vine. John 15 says, you know, so I am where the joy is because he, the joy is with me. And so that is something that I have, it's a thing I have to remind myself of often when I'm in those challenges. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think, um, the difference between joy and happiness, I find so interesting because joy is is just this well inside of you. And happiness, you know, my happiness can change if it's a really rainy day and I get I get my my freshly blown out hair. It's wet. Like there goes my happiness. Right? I know. <laughs> it's circumstantial. It it's very circumstantial. circumstantial. Right. Right. And I know you have walked through some health challenges. And I was shocked when um, I found out what they were. So you've had two heart surgeries. Two open heart surgeries. Uh, they came, actually, I found out about three months after my sister passed away from brain cancer <sighs> that I was going to have to have open heart surgery to fix these birth defects. We've known about them my whole life. And we were trying to prolong the, the surgeries as long as possible. But they came to me and said, now's the time. Mm. My first thought was just like, my poor parents. Like no the kidding. fact that my parents are going to have to go, they just lost a daughter. And now another daughter is going to have to have open heart surgery. And so we had the first open heart surgery. And we thought that was going to be the only one. But in the process of preparing for that surgery, they said, we've discovered another birth defect that is actually the worst one that we've never discovered. And now we've discovered this other thing that we need to fix as soon as we fix this thing. So uh, as soon as you're healed, we need you back in here for round two. And in round two, the second open heart surgery, the first was um, a sternotomy through my mm-hmm. chest. The second was a thoracotomy through my back. Oh my and gosh. as they were cauterizing the incision for that thoracotomy, they accidentally, uh, there, was a, there was a medical equipment malfunction and I was electrocuted. And so I should not have survived, um, but by the grace of God, I did. But it was about a four-month battle with um, that electrocution burn. And um, I've had a, just the complications of that have impacted me pretty much every day since. But I'm alive and I'm here and my heart is fixed. Um, so I'm grateful for that. But it has been a journey for sure through those, those health challenges. Wow. And don't you, don't you think that health challenges just really have the, um, I'll say opportunity to just rock your faith to a place Mm -hmm. where you just say, why? And why me? Did you go through the whys? You know, I think 
for me, because I had known about this my whole life, I had known that this was coming. It was kind of, it almost just became a part of who I am. And so I didn't have that question so much in my own life, but I I felt that more with my sister's brain cancer. Um, I like, why did she get cancer? And I think that question of why is just, you know, uh, in, in our limited scope, we can come up with what we feel are some helpful answers to that. Sometimes we can be like, Oh, it's because this happened or this happened or this happened, or I learned this about God, or I, I built this relationship or, uh, we can, we can sort of satiate ourselves with a little bit of understanding, but the full breadth of understanding escapes us because we're not the, the God of the universe who knows everything. And so grappling with that, why can be a really challenging space to be in when we don't know why sometimes we don't, and we may, we won't know until we know, which is going right. to be hopefully a long time from now. Mm-hmm. But I also think that why can be a dark hole. Mm-hmm. And then you end up focused on the whys and not the miracles that, you know, hey, I'm still here right. and I'm breathing and I can see, mm-hmm. you know, the sky and all the other things that are just like little mm-hmm. miracles that happen all the time. But, you know, embracing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I know there's space to ask those hard questions. I don't think God mm-hmm. shames us for those questions. I think he dwells in that challenge with us. He comes alongside us. He's compassionate. Um, But I think it's also a bigger task than the human heart is capable of to fully grasp the why. So when we do take on that question, we're taking on something we don't have the capacity to contain. We really don't have the capacity. Yes, I I agree with you. And when I... um, I'm a certified nutritionist by, by career and I've eaten healthy my entire life. Hot mm-hmm. yoga, half marathons. I know you're a big runner. Are you, are you full marathons though? No, no, not yet. I okay. only ever want to run one full marathon and that's the New York City Marathon. I would love oh, to do that someday. That should be a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran half marathons, all the things. And so when I got this breast cancer diagnosis, I was like, uh, excuse me, wrong girl. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, this isn't... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've done all the things. I ordered the organic salad instead of the cheeseburger and fries. So yeah, you got you messed up the in the lab, and I just so so much. I I just was like, why, Lord, why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And I I really kind of walked away from him for probably a full week after my diagnosis, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know, I don't I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah, did you have moments like that? even with your, with your sister and her her cancer. It's it's so, as you were telling about your health, like prioritizing your health, my sister was the healthiest person in our family. Mm. I grew up in a part of the South where they didn't even know that you could eat vegetables that weren't fried. Like they just thought that's how (laughs) vegetables come, right? Of course they do. And my sister was, she became a beekeeper so she could harvest her own honey. She was raising chickens. She gave me a SCOBY for kombucha in 2009, I think, like who even knew what kombucha was in 2009, right? My sister was making her own kombucha back before people, you know, had even heard of it. And she was just the healthiest person in our family. And so it was really like, why her? Why not? I did not grow up eating healthy. I did not um, prioritize my health. And I, I have turned a corner on that. Um, and feel very grateful for that opportunity. But 
uh, it was very perplexing. Like why her when she's the healthiest one in our family? And um, why her when she had been through so many other hard things in life? This is not her first battle. And it was, it was just like, this, why does she get assigned this life of struggle? Um, and so even in light of my own, I, I mean, it really, let me tell you, <laughs> her name was Gina. And she, she left a legacy of how to handle those challenges. Can I tell you like just a, a short bit about what, what I learned from her? Oh, I'd love to hear about Gina. So um, she had brain cancer twice. And the first time she uh, got it was three years uh, prior to when she passed away from it. She got it and she survived it. And they said, you'll never have an issue with this again. And then she got a totally different kind of brain cancer three years later. Now, if you'd met her before brain cancer one, she would have talked to you about one of two things, guns or the government. She had very strong opinions. She was very passionate (laughs) and she wanted to talk about those things all the time. And it's funny, she had a really winsome personality. So even people on the other, whatever the other end of the spectrum was from her, um, she could still be friends with them and be loving and kind, but those were her, those were her favorite topics. But if you Mm -hmm. met her between brain cancer one and brain cancer two, she would have talked to you about one thing, the Lord. Everything shifted in her life. You know, the fact that you were doing this podcast to point people to the Lord, you were doing this thing to drive people back to, uh, to point to him in these spaces. You've seized that opportunity because of what you've been through. And I watched her do it too. So when she got brain cancer the second time and she was able to, she had surgery at Vanderbilt in Nashville And because it's a teaching hospital, you know, those of you who are watching and listening, if you've had surgery, you know, the people come in with the clipboards and they ask you all the questions and it's four or five people. But at a teaching hospital, it's like 12 people because they've got all the people who are learning how to ask the questions with the clipboard. So she was allowed to bring one person into her room with her and she chose to bring me. And I was very honored. And she said, I'd love for you to be there and just pray with me before I go into the surgery. So it's like four or 5 a.m. It's uh, it's what hours before my normal waking time. And I'm in there with her and all these people are coming in and they're asking all these questions. What's your name? What's your date of birth? What are we doing? Which side of your head is it on? All that. And then they always end with, do you have any questions for me? At the end of every single person with that clipboard, my sister Gina said, yes, I have a really important question for you. Do you know Jesus? And every single person in the heart of the Bible belt said, well, I sure hope so. Or, you know, I was baptized when I was a baby or my granddaddy was a preacher or I sure, you know, I try to live a good life. And she would always say to them, listen, you and I have to have a conversation after this is over. That's way more important than what you're about to do in my head. So you need to get this right because what we need to talk about is way more important. And she just seized the opportunity to point beyond herself and her momentary trial to something eternal. She seized the opportunity. Wow. And when she came out of that surgery, she could barely talk. She didn't live long after that. She could barely talk. She could barely move. And the only things that she would do would be recite scripture that she had memorized. And she could sing hymns. She would say scripture and she would say hymns. And if we would ask her a question, she would answer with scripture. Wow. What a powerhouse. Indeed. So I watched the way she struggled well. I watched the legacy that she left. 
And that set me up for success in how to view my two open heart surgeries because I watched how she dealt with her two brain cancers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we'll never know the impact of her conversations with those people. Yeah. Truly. But who knows how many people they have, they're still talking about her today. Mm-hmm. We're talking about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. She, she really. Mm-hmm. He, he, I mean, he dwells in all of us, but he really dwelled in her and she was contagious. Truly, truly. And and it was, let me tell you also with my open heart surgeries, my mom and my dad, my sister, her children, they, they came into that hospital room and we had this opportunity. She had set us up with this opportunity to continue those conversations, to be agents of light in a very dark and hurtful and harmful place. My dad led some of her nurses to Christ. My dad led some of my nurses to Christ. Um, it, it has been incredible to watch how the doors opened. And it's so challenging in those times to think beyond our own pain and our own why and our own questions. But if we can zoom out of that momentary lack of happiness into the eternal scope of joy, there's so much more available. There's so much more available than just our pain and our questions. And and the joy is deep. It's a deep well. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, it's it's really contagious. But then also mm-hmm. that attitude impacts your healing. It does. It do, It really does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I remember I'd be standing there waiting and like, cause you're also endless lines at the hospital checking in, same questions, has your insurance changed? Mm-hmm. No, I was just mm-hmm. here three days ago. It hasn't right? changed. But then I'd see women walking in with no hair. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh Lord, thank you that I, I don't have to do chemo. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's, I felt my faith growing out of gratitude. To find and those little things that you can be grateful right, for. It's huge. Right. Yeah. It is huge. And then that that attitude becomes contagious to the barista at Starbucks or right. you know, the nurses coming in and asking your your date of birth for the tenth time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that like, morning. Look at my wristband. Yeah. <laughs> I know, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's accurate. I'm showing you. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. We I, I did this thing in my hotel rooms that, uh, not hotel rooms, uh, my hospital rooms, because um, I was in the <laughs> hospital for about a week with each of those surgeries. And, you know, you start to see some of the same faces, but there are different faces and, and they're coming in. I'm sure most of you listeners out there, if you have done hospital time, you know, there is no such thing as sleeping through the night. Somebody's coming in every hour. The machines are always going off or the machines in the next room are going off, whatever. But I decided I wanted to take this space of chaos and interruption and create a place. I wanted to create a hospital room that people wanted to come into. That when the nurses got called to my room, they were excited about it. That when the nurses had to go check on me, they were excited about it. That when somebody had to come clean my toilet, they were excited about it. So what we did, what we did was I put in my room, I put a humidifier because it's so, so dry in there. And so I put a humidifier, I brought a humidifier in and I had the opportunity to plan ahead for this surgery. It wasn't an emergency open heart surgery. So we're doing all this planning in advance. So I bring in a humidifier. I bring in an essential oil diffuser. So I'm diffusing (sighs) lavender and peppermint. It smells good. (laughs) Everybody who walked in was like, it smells so good in here. And that also promotes healing and that promotes health. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, and I put a little, this is not promote health. Please do not judge me, Deborah. I put a bowl <laughs> of Godiva chocolates by the door with a little note that said, thank you for being here to serve. Whether you're a nurse or a doctor or you're cleaning the toilets, please take one of these as a token of my gratitude. And Love we have, you know, it's like just all of those things in there to create this space of happiness and joy and gratitude. And when the nurses are more excited to come into your room, they're going to do a little bit of a better job. They're going to feel a little better about themselves in their day. And it just, that gets transferred onto every other patient that's in that, in that ward as well. And so it's true. just those little things when it's like, okay, I just got electrocuted. There's tubes coming out of my chest. I've been like cut open, a 12 inch incision. I'm in a lot of pain, but when somebody, when somebody else's day is made a little bit brighter, mm-hmm. that's contagious. It really it's is contagious in the best it way is. possible. And you're spreading love. Mm-hmm. We are in such short supply in our world right now. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful thing to spread from simple things. Godiva chocolate. You know, you spent a little bit of money here. You brought some things from home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny, the conversations that it opens up and the way it makes people who maybe are far from God, maybe are averse to the gospel, makes them a little bit more open because this patient is giving me chocolate and she's asking about me. And like, so they'll ask like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a teacher. What kind of teacher are you? Well, I teach the Bible. Oh, at a school? No, online. You can listen to it for free. Here's a, like, download this podcast or here's our website or whatever. And then they come back the next day and they're like, I listened to your podcast and I have some questions and I've been meaning to read the Bible. And it's just this on-ramp. It's this on-ramp for them. And uh, one of my nurses, when I was a cardiac, uh, when I was in cardiac ICU, one of my nurses now works for me and my organization. We work alongside each other and we get to like advance the, <laughs> advance the kingdom together. And who knew? Um, who, and so, who knew? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, she had no idea when she was coming into your room that it was about to change your life. <laughs> no, and me too. Yeah. I mean, she has been the biggest gift in my life. And the fact that we get to work alongside each other brings me so much joy. I'll bet it does. Yes, which, um, so we're talking a lot about suffering. How does how does suffering bring us closer to God? Hmm. You know, the Apostle Paul had a lot of suffering, um, shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, bitten by snakes. Uh, you know, pick your poison. Paul went through it. Yeah. And then he also had this other malady, which I, I believe just based on, and this is just my opinion, so you won't necessarily find this written out in scripture, but my opinion mm-hmm. um, is that Paul's persistent malady that he struggled with, his thorn in the flesh, was that he was going blind. And I think there's there's evidence in scripture to support that. Um, and when you get to the New Testament, we'll talk about it. When you get through that in your reading, well, <laughs> I, can't wait. I, 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 I point out why I think that. I point out where okay. I got that theory. Um, so okay. hang in there through all the Leviticus and <laughs> all that. Um, so he's got this problem, this real problem as a person who is going to be among strangers who may imprison him or beat him or stone him. And he maybe can't even really see what he's, what danger he's about to go into or how to get out of it. And he asked God, like, please just give me, can you cut me some slack here? Like I'm advancing the kingdom. Can you cut me some slack? Can you maybe fix this thorn in my flesh, whatever that might be? I'm trying to do your work here. 
and he asked God three times to take it away. And in first Corinthians 12, 19, he gets his response from the Lord, which is that his grace, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so it's this opportunity for in his weakness, for God's power to be on display for him to access the power of God through the person and the presence of God that is in his life. God who is with him through every dark prison cell, through every, every stoning, every beating, all every shipwreck, God was with him. And he got to attach to the person of God, to the power of God in that when he didn't get what he wanted, when he didn't get a yes. And when we suffer, it's our opportunity to see God show up, to meet us in that space and maybe deliver us, but maybe just draw near to us, maybe just comfort us in the dark space. And if we get a no from God, if you're asking him for something and God's answer is no, first of all, for people who, for those who are in Christ, for those who know God through the relationship that Jesus Christ has established, and have his spirit dwelling within them, there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer because no is an That's answer true. and wait is an answer. Like, That's true. Yes is not the only answer. And mm-hmm. if you're a parent, you know that. You know that like no is an answer too. <laughs> but King David got a no for something that he asked. Paul got a no for something that he asked. Mm -hmm. Jesus got a no for something that he Mm -hmm. asked the Father. He asked, is there any other way? Is there there any other way? way? Can this cup pass from me? Mm -hmm. And then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I think there was no less um, power for them in those spaces of no than there would have been in a yes. And so I think I think suffering is an opportunity to look for look to God for more strength and to look for God uh, for the hope and the joy that exists only in Him in the midst of trials. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it, and and it can take a little while to get there, though. <sighs> Can't it? And, Can't it? You know, yeah. And I think I think the thing that makes me so the thing that's so challenging right now, Deborah, and for everybody listening is. I know that some of you who are listening are not in that space, and it's infuriating to hear somebody talk about the joy that is accessible in suffering and trials. And I just want to say to the person who feels that way, it's okay that it's okay that you're angry. It's okay that you want to know why it's okay that you are shaking your fist at God or yelling at God or what he can handle that. He is not angry at you for your anger at him. He draws near, he sits with you in the ache and you don't have to be in this place where you're like, I have all the joy right now because I trust God. You don't have to be there. It's okay to be angry. I want to tell you about one of my favorite things to drink. It's bone broth. And I have to tell you, I'm relatively new to the whole bone broth game. But one of the reasons I started drinking bone broth is when I had cancer, I had a really hard time keeping food down, getting enough protein. And quite honestly, I had so much inflammation going on in my body. I was really looking for something that was nutritious. Again, I could really get a lot of protein out of and would be really soothing to my gut. So I jumped headlong into bone broth. And one of the things I love about bone broth is that there's so much gelatin and collagen in it. Studies show that gelatin is beneficial to restoring strength to the gut lining, and it can help to fight food sensitivities. And then bonus, it helps to grow probiotics in your gut, the probiotic bacteria, which is what we really want, which helps to really boost immune system. 
So I have to tell you about my favorite bone broth, which is from ButcherBox. What I love about it is it's got three ingredients, organic chicken, organic carrots, and filtered water. That is it. I love it so much. I drink it in the afternoon to kind of give me an energetic boost. I drink it in the morning. I drink it on cold days. Honestly, it's just one of my favorite products. Okay, so when I was telling ButcherBox about how much I love their chicken bone broth, they gave an amazing deal to my listeners. It's actually a deal that they've never even created before. And here's their deal. Chicken bone broth for free for an entire year. It's crazy. They've actually, as I said, they've never done a deal like this before. And then bonus, you get $20 off your first box. So go to the link in my show notes, click the link, use the code ENOS. You'll get $20 off your first box and free bone broth for an entire year. It is absolutely okay to be angry and and you can be a Bible reading daily church going every Sunday and still get angry. Yeah, and that was I me. I that was because so, I, I knew. <laughs> that was me when I when I kept getting bad news about this diagnosis. I remember my poor husband watching me as I kicked my kitchen cabinet. Now I will say I knew we were going to remodel our kitchen in a couple of years, <laughs> so I was okay with it. <laughs> Kicking it, kicking in a cabinet, and then I just said, oh, "Lord, I'm so mad at you. I don't want to talk to you right now." And mm-hmm. that lasted about four days, and that was the worst four days out of the whole cancer journey because I, mm. I just felt so lonely because yeah. my friend was, my friend was there, but I was not participating in our relationship, and yeah. but he never left me. Yeah, God never left my side, but I sure. I sure tried to run. Yeah. yeah. I too have said horrible things to him. Horrible. Said yeah. horrible things to him. And he never left. And um, there was a point where I was going through a, a struggle that was a re- relational, emotional struggle that was not a physical trial. And I remember saying to him, I regret obeying you. I regret obeying you because it didn't get me what I want. And my heart was exposed in that. And that was a space where I felt, I felt like he was absent. It felt like I would read my Bible and it would be dry. I would go to church and I would feel nothing. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, what does this mean? Does this mean I'm not your kid? Like, and so I didn't feel his nearness, even though he, I can say with certainty he was there, but he, he, I feel like he intentionally withdrew the, um, the feeling for me of his nearness with a purpose. And here's what, on the other side of that, here's what became of that. There was a point where I ached so much more over the distance of God than over the end of that relationship, the fracture in that relationship that that, that was the crux of the matter at the time, the person. And when God revealed to me that I missed him more than I missed the person, that's when I got it. I was like, oh, you matter more. You matter more than this temporary thing. Will you please, like, I, I repented. I was like, please bring your yeah. nearness back because your nearness is my joy. Right. Your nearness is where the joy is. And so he turned my heart around in that, but it was a really hard time. I'd never in my, I've, I've been a Christian since I was about four years old and I'd never in my life felt God's distance like in that time. But he taught me uh, what mattered most to me. I didn't know. He really did. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, and it, that's just such a tangible example. I mean, who hasn't felt dry and also had multiple heartbreaks and relationships and things like that? Yeah. But at the end yeah. of the day, what a what a beautiful lesson. Truly, truly. That he showed you. Yeah. I'm very grateful. Wow. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, he's, um, I've really drawn near to him in these last two years. Mm. And kind of going back to that why, you know, I mentioned I was really mad for, for quite a while. And then I, I started saying, you know, why? Why did I, why did this happen? And I felt it just a, quickening of the Holy Spirit to say, go look up the website, why did I get cancer? And I thought, well, that's a great idea. I've asked every oncologist, why me? Why did I get cancer? And I went and I I Googled it and it was still available. The URL was still available. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, God, I think you have a new mission for me. I'm on to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm on to you. I see what you're doing yeah. here. Thank mm-hmm. you. And I'm actually at a place now where I thank oh. him for the cancer season. Are you at that point with your surgery, mm-hmm. your surgeries, maybe your sister passing? You know, I think there does come a time where we can see what he has done and um, be grateful for the ways that he has worked. And I don't think, I think it can be an and, not a but. I think it can be, this was devastating and I'm grateful. Um, as opposed to, this was devastating, but I'm grateful. Um, I think it doesn't have to remove the pain of it. And so I think I can go, I see what you're doing. I see what you've done. I'm thankful for that. And, and that wouldn't have been how I would have done it. And that really hurts. You must know something I don't know. And I really miss my sister and her kids really miss her. And I see how you've used it. Uh, And so I think that helps me live an integrated emotional life and an integrated spiritual life. I don't think Paul ever got to the place where he was like, man, I'm so glad I'm going blind. How great is that? But I think he could say, it's so hard to be blind if that's what it was, you know, who knows? Um, I think he could say, this is so hard and I wish it weren't this way. And your power is made perfect in weakness and your grace is sufficient for me. And both of those things can hold space in his heart and his mind. Okay. I, I love this. And I love that there is such a distinction between and and but. Yeah. That's something I've learned in therapy. <laughs> of which I've had a mm-hmm. lot. A lot I, of it. I, <laughs> Still getting more. Yeah. I'm right there with you, sister. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, and I love it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to use that forever because there are times where I, I think, and I can be grateful. And sometimes, but it's just like right. it erases, mm-hmm. you're right. It erases the pain that maybe you're still walking through or, hey, I'd love to have right. my breast back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And I think, I, right. and I can be grateful. And I <laughs> yeah. think also, right. you know, for something like my sister's loss, like losing my sister, I'm not the only one who lost her. And so if I were to say, you know, but I'm grateful, the person who is not in that space, how hurtful is that to them? How hurtful is that to them? And so, so I would never, I would never proclaim that as like, finally, I'm in this space and maybe you'll get there eventually when your faith is strong enough. Um, I think both, both things can be true. 
Like I see what God has done and man, I hate cancer. And if you are, if you have anybody in your life who doesn't believe the way you do, I would think that would shut a door mm-hmm. for for a relationship with you or oh, with yeah. the Lord. I mean, yeah, they're good. They're, I mean, that door may never be, mm-hmm. you know, might take a long time to ever be opened again, if ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. I love this yeah. distinction moving forward. I can see me um, that aligns mm-hmm. more with how I actually feel. I just hadn't, I hadn't considered, yeah, saying it that way. Yeah. It's so funny how just a little turn of phrase like that, it opens a whole new world of understanding, you know? Yeah. Just a, yeah. It's yeah. been really helpful for me. It helps me not to try to put band-aids on other people's pain. You know, it's one of the ways that I think we do a disservice to people in the church is we don't sit in their pain with them or, or not even just in the church, but I think the church, the church is where I've lived my existence. And so it's where I've experienced most of my wounds if I had lived most of my existence outside the church, that's where I would experience most of my wounds. But because I've been in the church, I've been wounded by these other sinners like me who are part of the, the body of Christ. And uh, they don't, and I don't always deal well with other people's pain. We try to, oh God, you know, he's going to, he works everything together for good of those who love him. And he's got a purpose. We just can't see what it is. And um, we put these little band-aids on there and I think people try to do that to take away the pain and maybe it's a pain that they aren't comfortable with. They don't know how to deal with, but I think in those spaces, it can be an, and it can be a, yes, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And yeah, this and to is be able terrible. To say both things because I didn't, honestly, I didn't, right. I didn't want to hear a lot of scripture after my diagnosis. I just wanted to right. know, am I going to, lo- am I going to die? Am I going to yeah. lose my breast? Am I going to have to do chemo? Those were the mm-hmm. questions that were filling my head. And so mm-hmm. I, when I, I know somebody's hurting and they know how, they know my faith, my faith life, I try so hard to not give mm-hmm. them Christian ease, I call it, where it's just that stock Christian answer. Yeah. And it's, yeah. That's really wise. Yeah, because I've had people say it to me and I'll just think, well, you, you're not even hearing me. Right. It feels, it feels dismissive, like they're placating you. Um, and also, I mean, I've had people who, I'm a Bible teacher, and some people who said these things don't know that they are quoting scripture out of context that doesn't actually mean what they think it means. Yeah. And yeah. that's really challenging because then I want to get on my high horse and prove how wrong they are because <laughs> they hurt me and they're dumb. You know, like it's just... <laughs> and I'm here to educate you. Just, right? That's like, okay, Terry, real in the arrogance, you know. Um, but yeah, when they try to give me those verses that are plucked out of context, I'm like, oh boy. And it's yeah. funny because... Sometimes they will, they want to promise me healing. And I'm like, God doesn't promise like Lazarus died again, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and so I just, I get really frustrated when people especially offer me bad theology as an attempt mm-hmm. at solace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, ju- I just want to say, okay, you know what, why don't we, why don't we just agree to disagree and let's talk about, right. let's talk yeah. about the weather, something else. It's a little, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and I should also say, boy, have I been guilty of doing exactly what I just accused other people of doing. Yeah. I have been, I can think of so many people in my life. I want to go back and apologize to if our paths ever cross. I'm like, right. I messed that up. Right. Because we're human. And how about the times when somebody has passed away and 
I'll make this very personal because this this is something I've done. I chose to just say, hey, how's it going? And not, oh my gosh, how are you today? Because I know mm-hmm. this happened. But so maybe my in my humanness, I don't want to bring it up, but I don't want them to right. think about it. And mm-hmm. you know, and and the what they truly want is to just for somebody to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's something I've started doing recently. Um, My friend group just lost a friend to suicide not long ago. And um, I was not especially close to the person who passed away, Mm -hmm. but I'm very close to people who were really close. And so the way that I sort of leaned into that space was to just text those people and say, hey, just check it in. Uh, Scale of one to 10, how are you doing today? (sighs) And I said, if all you can do is drop a thumbs up on that message, that's good enough. If you can just drop a number, great. If you drop a, a four, a seven, an eight, or whatever, you can you can respond with details if you want, but just give me a number and it gives them the it opens the door for however much they want to share. And then for the ones that I was closest to, I said, just know if I ever get a two or a one, I'm coming to wherever you are. And so if you need me to come to where you are, mm-hmm. drop a two, drop a one, and I'll be there. I love that. And that's just a little way to open the door to, mm-hmm. because if I ask, how are you? And they've heard that from 20 other people that day, they may not want to type it again. Right. But if I say scale of one to 10, and sometimes I just literally will just text one to 10 question mark. Hmm. And it's just my way of checking in and they can respond however they want. And they know that I will come if they type mm-hmm. a one or a two. And they know you really care because it's a mm-hmm. detailed question, actually. Mm-hmm. You're not just saying, how are you, how you doing? Right. It's like, okay, I I need details. mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's love in those details. Right. And they can provide as much or as little detail and information in their response as they want to. It's up to them. I open the door and I let them decide how much of, do I, do I get a foot in? Do I get, do I walk all the way in? What do I, where do I go? Um, And I think it's just a way to connect with other people who are hurting and try to serve them well and to not try to provide answers, but to just, when they talk, um, this is another another therapy thing I've learned is to just go like, that sounds really hard. Sounds really hard to not try to solve it, not to just say, oh, I totally understand. I've been through exactly the same thing. Um, it's just, right. gosh, that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a beautiful way to be with them in relationship because mm-hmm. it gives them permission to just say, wow, you know, this person is getting me because they mm-hmm. they don't have to say, oh, I went through that two years ago or... Right. Yeah. And sometimes I don't know about you, Deborah, but sometimes I don't want people to understand. I want my pain to be unique yeah, and no one else has ever experienced anything like it. Mine is the worst pain. And so if somebody says they understand, I want to be like, you do not. Um, and so, <laughs> that sounds like, very human and very normal right? to me. <laughs> like no one's ever felt any pain like I feel right now. How dare you say, you know how I feel. Um, so, you know, I love that. Yeah. Uh, that is, I've been guilty of that too. Boy, the arrogance just seeping through this conversation yeah, from my side right you. now, you know, I know. I often say I'm so proud of my humility. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh, man. oh my goodness. Well, I would like to shift gears a little bit and talk about mm-hmm. how your physical health impacts your mm-hmm. spiritual health. Mm-hmm. So you're a big yeah. runner. You mm-hmm. said, you know, Gina was the healthy one in the family. And it sounds like <laughs> right? you've picked up a lot of Gina's habits. Maybe you don't keep bees and chickens. I know. I don't keep bees and chickens. 
I don't, but uh, I do. I do love to consume their products. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I um, yeah. So uh, as a part of my story, both prior to and after my open heart surgery, um, because of my my birth defects with my heart, it really contributed to uh, a personal physical environment where I was prone to put on weight. Mm -hmm. Um, because I could not get my heart rate over 120. I couldn't lift a certain amount. And so I grew up in this environment, a family of athletes who ate like athletes and worked on the farm and did all this stuff. And I couldn't do any of it, but I sure ate like they did with all the fried vegetables. And um, so I grew up um, just putting on more and more weight and did not change my lifestyle. Even when I got out of that environment and moved away, I kept at that lifestyle and added to it. Um, And so... Uh, I am currently, I've lost 95 pounds, um, from my highest weight. And, but you know, the, the first thing that I, it's, it's interesting. I would like lose 20 pounds, keep it off for a couple of years, lose 20 pounds, keep it off for a couple of years, maybe gain 10 more, lose 20 pounds, maybe gain 20 more. It's just been this thing, but it's been this gradual descent over about the past decade. But once my heart got fixed, it really set me up for success because then I couldn't do those physical things Mm -hmm. that had been restrictive before. But sleep was the first thing that made such a huge difference for me because I would exist on three to four hours sleep a night. So getting eight hours sleep, um, getting hydrated, like I drink about at least a gallon of water a day Hmm. um, and running and taking care of my physical health and even taking care of my mental health. Those things all really contributed to my ability to connect with the Lord, to connect with others. Like if I'm not able to be, if I have brain fog when I'm trying to read the Bible, I'm not engaging in relationship very well. Right. You know, if I am exhausted all the time, it's really hard to show patience towards someone in my life. It's really hard to engage with somebody and engage with their story. It's really hard to prioritize someone besides myself. And so prioritizing my health is actually a service to other people and it serves me in my relationship with God. And so those are things that I found uh, are, are all intermingled in this, in this mm-hmm. beautiful body, in this beautiful life. Um, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, trying to get a handle on all of those things. And it's something mm-hmm. I'm still like, we've talked about therapy. I, I love therapy. Getting mentally healthy has been just as uh, life-changing as getting spiritually healthy hmm. and physically healthy. So getting mentally healthy, you feel like that's impacted your relationship with the Lord? For sure. For sure. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been, and I, um, I've been in uh, talk therapy for a lot of my, I've had great biblical counselor, Christian counselor, um, and have done other, just through, through those conversations discovered like, oh, I actually have some trauma that I haven't dealt with and trauma, not just being a hard thing but being a hard thing that wasn't soothed and that wasn't seen when it was encountered. And even the impacts of being electrocuted, that the ways that my, our bodies store trauma um, and walking with my, my Christian counselor through those processes of healing that trauma um, has really impacted my emotional health and my physical health. I sleep better, yeah. things like that. Wow. So did you start yes. sleeping better after the heart surgery then? 
the sleep was actually, uh, that was something I decided to start trying to change prior to my open heart surgery mm-hmm. and really trying to get eight hours sleep a night. And that was when weight started dropping, um, mm-hmm. was when I started sleeping more. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is, <laughs> I don't know about you, but with, with my body, if I don't have sleep for fuel, my body wants food for fuel. Exactly right. And then, and then also I am awake more hours to eat. Mm-hmm. And also my body is asleep less hours to process and burn off all that toxicity and everything. Right. And then also I didn't have the energy to work out when I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so it just was this, it, it was uh, kind of the first domino to fall was yeah. sleep. And really it's the first one that should, because if you're not sleeping well, you can't be well. It is impossible right. to be well. Mm-hmm. And with sleep, if you're not getting at least six hours, your body says, huh, wow, this isn't good, Tara Lee. So what it does right. is it forces you the next day to eat more carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in the form of sugar, sugar, carby, like, you know, sweet rolls and yeah. things like that, which are my kryptonite. But your body says, I need this quick fuel. This is what I yeah. need to keep me going for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. If you sleep more than six, you're probably okay. Less than six, it just, it's just a never ending cycle. So yeah. interesting that that's the first piece that, mm-hmm. that started working for you. Yeah. And I wear this little tracker that tells me about my sleep and how much deep sleep I'm getting and how much REM sleep I'm getting and, mm-hmm. um, and how many times I'm waking up in the night. And mm. trying to learn, I like to treat my body like a lab and try to figure out what, what is helpful and what isn't. Good. And yeah. then also when I sleep more, another factor is I am more fortified to make better food choices the next day. You are. You are. Yeah. I have more uh, resistance, like mm-hmm. mentally to the bad things. Mm-hmm. It's really true. And like you said, you, you know, you're, you've got more energy for workouts. You're less likely to get injured in those workouts. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because you're repairing. Yeah. I mean, the only time you really repair is when you're sleeping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I am a nicer human if I've got <laughs> at least seven hours of sleep because when I'm not sleeping, I just... I have to really just simmer down, simmer down. Mm-hmm. Don't don't say the first thing that comes into your mind. <laughs> truly, truly. It's not mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> Um, Well, do you have any kind of final advice for our listeners? Um, Maybe some people who are just really new to the Lord or they've Mm. been listening to this podcast and they don't have a relationship at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For anybody out there, anybody, any of you who are out there listening and you're kind of like, maybe you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or maybe you would call yourself a Christian, but some of these ideas sound challenging or foreign to you, but you find yourself kind of intrigued. You're a little curious, maybe. Um, I would love to invite you to read the Bible with me, to read the Bible with me and Deborah. Um, and it's just about, it's about 12 minutes of reading every day in the Bible. To read the whole Bible in a year is about 12 minutes a day. And we've got that time. Come on, you know, you're listening to this right now. Um, and so you've got, you've got time. And also you seem to probably like auditory stuff because you're listening to a podcast or maybe you're watching a video. So the Bible app will read the Bible to you. If you're a slow reader and the Bible app is free. And if you don't have a smartphone, you can just go to you know Bible.com and it will read it to you for free. And I don't make a penny from asking you to read the Bible. If you want to come along me and Deborah and, uh, 
like do the Bible recap. That's about an extra eight minutes a day. And it's also free. There's a video on YouTube. There's a podcast on every podcast app. And if you don't want to jump in with the Old Testament, if that feels daunting, you can jump in with the New Testament. And that's just 92 days. And I would love to like walk through scripture with you to help you look for the character of God, to help you see the way that he engages with you in your story, to help you see what his character is like, because life is hard and we need to be reminded of the character of a good and loving God. And so that would be my, my first thing is like, let's go look at God together. That would be my advice. Can we go look at God together? Can we go hang out with God together? That's what I'd like to do. And I love that. Um, and what, one of the questions I love that you asked at the beginning of Bible Recap, which is your podcast, is how do you see the character of God today? And I, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever really thought about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm fairly new to reading the Bible. I bought my first Bible about... Um, about 18 years ago. And there were so many versions that I thought, well, <laughs> I like pink. I'll get the pink Bible. That must be for exactly. women. You know? and, right. just, yeah. and I can't say that I ever really embraced it. I mean, I love, mm-hmm. I love Proverbs. That's, you know, we see that on pillows and t-shirts, but right. there are other parts of the Bible that are mm-hmm. so encouraging. And that's what I'm really finding with listening to the Bible recap. I'm just very encouraged every day. It's, I have my coffee with you every morning and listen to you. And it's, I just feel like I'm just tucking this information away and it's really sticking because you make it fun. So thank you oh, for that. Good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I try to make it, I am not a, I'm not a scholar. I did not go to seminary. So the best thing I know how to do is just talk to you like a normal person right. and explain it in normal terms. Like, well, you know, the, the temple, it's described in these, you know, 45 cubits by 18 cubits. What is a cubit? I don't know. Here's what you need to know. It's about the size of a Chick-fil-A, you know, like that's, <laughs> right. that's how I explain it, you know, and I just talk to you like, like we're talking right now. Yep. And so yeah, anybody who wants to jump in just the Bible and then click the start link and it'll tell you how to get started, whether New Testament, whole Bible, whatever you want to do. Love it. And then also tag everything in the show notes and your oh, Patreon yeah, account to your D groups. And, mm. um, and I just thank you. You're, you're really, you're changing my year. Um, I started with mm. you um, three months ago and I just, I'm looking forward to walking out the rest of the year with you. And thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Why did I get cancer? Thanks for having me, Deborah. I'm yeah. just so honored and grateful to know you and to look at your beautiful face. And for those of you who are just listening, you gotta like you, she just she just looks stunning. She's wearing a red shirt, got a red lip. It's all it's all beautiful. And um, so yeah, just oh. grateful to be here with you. Oh. You've been a delight. Thank you so much. And hopefully, I'll go to Israel with you someday. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 